0: Hi, friends. Welcome to Moments to Ponder. This is a podcast designed to help you spend a few moments in God's Word, whether you're in the carpool lane, getting ready for your day, or just taking a walk. It's my prayer that as you listen, you'll find something to ponder. We live in a loud, busy world that can make it hard to find the time to get into God's Word, so I'm grateful for these few moments we have together to ponder the book of Philippians. I'm Betsy Marvin, and this is episode 87. As I prepared for today's podcast, my focus honed in on our opening verse for this section, verse 20 in Philippians 1. This is what Paul wrote, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. These words seem pretty dramatic. So it got me to wondering, what is behind these words? Paul has been bold during his entire ministry. He has stood unashamed continually. Yet here he speaks of trusting that his life would bring honor. So why is he hoping this? I mean, what is he facing that would bring these type of thoughts? These questions led me to do a bit of research on what was happening around the time of Paul, which led me to the emperor of Rome. Paul had asked to see Caesar, and the dates behind this letter help us place Paul in approximately 62 AD during the reign of Nero. So bear with me as my history brain dives into the details a little bit to give us some context around the political drama that was happening while Paul was waiting in prison. Nero had lost his father at a young age and was raised by his mother, who it is said killed her second husband to marry her uncle, Emperor Claudius. Now through her influence, Nero is the one to succeed Claudius, not Claudius' own son. And in 54 AD, at 16 years old, Nero comes into power with his wife, who was also his stepsister, whom he married when he was 15. So we can guess that Nero had some issues, and the Roman court was definitely messed up. Now, at first, Nero was a generous leader. He reduced taxes, banned capital punishment, and began competitions in athletics and in poetry. He loved the theater, and he was actually really well liked by his people, and even the slaves liked him because he gave them the right to prosecute abusive masters. So he started out pretty strong, but after eight years in the role, a lot happened to Nero, and by 23 years old, he has become indulgent, sexually pushing every boundary there is, and he's able to do whatever he wants. I mean, he's 23 with all the power and wealth he can imagine, and he also has to lead a country. He did have great plans for the city and strategies for growth, but with wars in Gaul and other far-off lands, as well as the internal conflict going on, I mean, he even had his own mother killed. It's no wonder that a simple preacher sat under house arrest for a long time waiting for an audience with him. Nero was much more concerned with his own amusement and vices than governmental affairs, so a Jew demanding to see him would not be high on his list of priorities. Then, in June of 62 AD, something interesting happens. Well, actually something tragic. Nero orders the murder of his stepsister and wife, Octavia. Now, she married him when she was 13, so she would have been about 22 when she was killed. Their marriage had secured his throne, but now he wanted a new wife, so he got rid of the old one. And honestly, this seems to kick off the downward spiral to the Nero that we often think of, the one that acted insane and would later persecute Christians. In the Roman world, Caesar was seen as Lord. And this obviously goes to Nero's head. So a preacher speaking of a gospel and a Lord God wouldn't bring the preacher any favor in Nero's eyes. Faith and politics were basically one and the same in those days, and to not declare Nero as Lord could bring a death sentence. Now, even in prison, I'm sure the palace guards were keeping Paul up to date on all that was happening. He heard of all the murder and sex and drunkenness that was going on. This definitely affected Paul's situation. And it's in this context that Paul looks to his trial, saying, I pray that I'll be bold as I always have been. I can't back down now just because he Caesar. My hope is that I'll stand unashamed and speak the truth boldly, even if it means I die. Wow, that hits me a little differently knowing who he's going to stand in front of. Paul goes on in verse 21 to say this For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, It is better that I continue to live. I feel like Paul is verbal processing here or written processing. I mean, he's saying living is Christ, but dying is better. I mean, what? But it's in these words that we see Paul actually understands what it means to leave this earthly life and go be with his Lord, the one who he loves. He's saying, I'm not sure if I'll live or die. Yet, as I reason it out if i if I live, I get to be with you, the church whom I love, which is good, but if I die, I'll be with Jesus, which is better and after all of that, Paul says in verse twenty five knowing this, meaning knowing that it would be better for the church if he continued to live. He says, knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow. And experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he's doing through me. Paul is saying, I'm going to live because God is going to show you joy in your faith through what he does for me. That's pretty wild to say. I mean, he's writing this before he ever even sees the emperor but I wonder if this realization gave him some courage for his trial. We'll never know what Paul said to Nero or what Nero said to Paul, but we do know that Paul is released at this point. In fact, with the influence of Josephus, a Jewish historian, Nero freed all Jewish prisoners in 62 AD. So knowing that historical moment, We tend to believe that Paul was included in that. This leads us to the understanding that Paul does take a fourth missionary journey, where he does revisit the Philippian church and many more places. But I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. Why go into this history lesson? Because I think we all face Nero's in our lives in some way. And I wonder if we would have the confidence that we see in Paul. By this, I mean, there's those moments when we come up against something hard and it causes us to make a choice that is based on our faith, on on what we believe, and it has consequences. And there are consequences that might be hard. Now, this is a simple example, but when I was in high school, I can remember applying for a job. And in our family, the rule was no working on Sunday. So as I interviewed, I would tell the manager that I wasn't able to work on Sunday because I had church and youth group. And that ended a few of my opportunities right there. Now, not getting those jobs wasn't a huge consequence. But I did learn that choosing to honor Sunday would have a price. Now, when we face those moments where we have to decide if we'll speak or not, stand strong or not, We can't let fear dictate our choices. No, we won't face physical death most likely. But when we take a stand, we might face the death of a relationship or the loss of a job. We might have to deal with backlash or slander or ridicule. I mean, it's a reality. Living for Jesus has a price. Paul knew this, and we should remember it as well. Now, thankfully, my choice to not work on Sundays back then didn't have a painful price. But I can tell you that I have faced some hard choices since then, and I haven't always chosen the better road. I have found that the desire for acceptance, the fear of rejection, the desire to please people can lead to compromise and to some painful prices to pay. As Paul reasoned out his predicament, he realized that he was in a win-win situation, even though to everyone else it might have seemed like a no-win moment. And how does he reason that out? He reasons it out knowing that choosing Jesus is a win, no matter the outcome. To live meant more time to share him, and to die meant to be with him. Win-win. But it brought me to thinking... Do I live like I believe that choosing Jesus is always the better answer, no matter the outcome? So let me ask you Do you live like you believe that choosing Jesus is always the better answer? Something to ponder, isn't it? I mean, even if choosing Jesus means you'll be single. Even if choosing Jesus means you'll have to find a new job, new friends, even if choosing Jesus means you need to have some hard conversations that may have consequences. I mean, Paul is showing us something so fundamental here choosing Christ. He also shows us something else. He is living in the tension between life and death, literally. Life with his church family doing the work he loves, or a physical death, which would bring him to Jesus. And honestly, it is a tension we still live with today, right? We love our people and this life, and we don't wish to leave it. Yet when we physically die, it means we'll be with Jesus. And it's something we don't fully understand. Yet in his processing, Paul lets us see his willingness to leave his future. Up to God. Oh, dear one, that we would do the same. Paul just wants to honor Christ in the process, whatever comes. And that's hard. But may we choose to want to do the same. As we come to the close of chapter one, we have these words of Paul to the church. He said, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. And don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past and you know that I'm still in the midst of it. Oh, Paul was still in prison. He was still facing a life or death situation with Nero. But in that, he chose to have the courage to say, Lord, my future is yours. And whichever one you choose for me, that's a win. Dear one, you will face moments with hard choices. Fear may come and consequences might be steep. Yet as you face those Nero's in your life, may you lean into the power of the Spirit within you and stand. May you never be intimidated by an enemy in faith. Hold on to your trust in Jesus and take the road less traveled. It is one you will never walk alone. He will never leave you, and He will never forsake you, for you are one in whom He delights. Amen.